0: Welcome to the Calvary Church podcast. We're glad that you are here and that you can be a part of a recent service at TCC. So let's join the service, which is already underway, and listen to the message.
1: Well, I do want to wish our fathers a happy Father's Day, and uh, we we all, I think, agree that Father's Day is the most important day of the year on the calendar. I think we all agree with that, and I hate to state the obvious, but uh, to start with, a small boy said, Father's Day is just like Mother's Day, only you don't spend as much on the gift. <laughs> Mark Twain said, when I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around, but when I got to the age of 21, I was astonished at how much the old man learned in seven years. (laughs) Some say dads are men of few words. Our conversations are simple, easy taking trips with guys. You can talk, or you don't have to talk. That's the beauty. Conversations are simple. Even our joke telling is simple. Dad jokes are just great. You've heard the one, when does a joke become a dad joke? When a punchline becomes a parent. That's just, that's just good. That's just great stuff. Very simple. What do you call a man who tells dad jokes but isn't a dad? A faux pas. <laughs> You're welcome. We, we could go all day. I'm sure we could go all day. But while, while it may be that things are simple conversation-wise, I, I think it's more that it's efficient. We're just efficient with our words, I think we're wired for efficiency. Dads just look for the easiest way to say something and do something. We say, Amen. Yeah, we do. These are words that most dads have said at some time or another to their children. Why? Because I said so. That's efficient. It's just an efficient statement. Anybody ever said, you are going and you will have fun? That's efficient. And then, of course, this is the most efficient statement of all time. I don't know. Go ask your mother. That's not a deflection. That's not stepping back from your duty as a father. That's just efficient. That's efficient in the moment. These are, you you may call it lazy, but I I just think it's effective. I love Dad Pasley's statement to his daughters. He would tell them, if I wanted your opinion, I would give it to you. And that, my friend, is not only brilliant, that is extremely efficient. This morning I want to speak on the subject, Things Dads Say. Have you ever heard of the Bible character Samuel? How many have heard of Samuel? Maybe you haven't, but no worries. But if you've heard of Samuel in the Bible, I want you to raise your hand. Raise your hand high. All right. Some people, you've heard of this man, Samuel. This boy, if you don't know quickly, this is a a boy who heard the voice of God didn't recognize it was the voice of God ultimately he he was given to work in the temple or to work with the priest Eli and his mother and father gave them to him but he worked there and he heard the voice of God didn't know it but the priest finally told him that it was God and and he he learned and he worked in in the the priestly work and did a a phenomenal job for Israel. And he was also the priest who anointed the first king, King Saul in scripture. You read about King Saul, you'll read about Samuel. And Samuel also was the priest who anointed David to be king. Very significant character in scripture. And when you think of Samuel, when you partner uh, or you talk about Samuel, you talk about Samuel in context to his mother, Hannah. Right? Right. She was an amazing lady. She truly was an amazing mom. The story is most often told through the eyes of mom. Mom was the one who cried when she couldn't have a child. And so God gave her a child. And, and she prayed in and, and verse uh, 10 of First Samuel chapter 1 It says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. And then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli, who is the the priest, watched her mouth and, and Hannah spoke in her heart only moving, her, her lips only moved and her voice was not heard and Eli thought she was drunk and so Eli said to her go in peace and the God of Israel grant you your petition which you have asked of him and she said let your maidservant find favor in your sight so the woman went away and ate her and her face was no longer sad. That's the context that we talk about Samuel in and certainly she had Samuel. She had that child. The Lord gave her a child, and she birthed that child. There's some credit given there, right, Uh, for the mother to have a child. There's some credit to be given there to Hannah. And the story, if you know anything about Hannah, uh, you know that she came to the temple every year. After about two years, she brought Samuel to the ...to the priest and she turned him over to her, him and, and she would come every year and she would make a coat every year and give it to him. And again, credit should be given for that and great honor should be given for that. How many have heard that story? How many have heard some of that story? What I think gets lost in preaching and teaching of the story of Hannah and Samuel is in fact that the Bible makes something very clear... That Samuel had a dad. I know. Who knew, right? <laughs> Samuel had a dad. In his name, does anybody know his name? Elkanah. Speak it, brother. There we go. Elkanah was his name. He's a character that... I have never heard preached about, or maybe taught about, but I thought I would talk about him today. Everyone say Elkanah. Now, Elkanah had a few flaws. First, Elkanah married two women at the same time. (laughs) <laughs> Woo. A lot of stuff happening up here. <clears throat> now, we know what the Bible says about that, and, uh, and so we understand the Old Testament. I'm not going to get into theological conversation about having two wives. But he wasn't the first one in Scripture to have two wives. Uh, we can think of Jacob Who was, um, uh, again, a a man of God. uh, But, and I'm not condoning two wives. All right, so this is going bad right away. We may go ahead and just cue the music, Andrew. We're pretty much done here. All right, so he had two wives. That's a problem. That's a lack of judgment on his part. You could argue that Jacob. Jacob was tricked, right? I mean, Jacob, I, we don't read that Elkanah was tricked in any way. He chose to have two wives, uh, Hannah and Penina were their names. And um, these two women, um, as you could imagine, most of the stories in Scripture that have involved more than one wife in Scripture, it always ends the same way. They don't get along. Go figure. And so verse 6 of chapter 1, let let me go back. Let me read 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. There was a certain man of, I'll just skip through some of these names. And he was actually of the tribe of Levi. You can read about it in 1 Chronicles 6. But his name was Elkanah. And he had, verse 2, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah. The name of the other was Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. Verse 3, this man went up from his city yearly to worship, to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, The priests of the Lord were there. That's significant. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. And so, again, these two women did not get along, and we read about this in verse 6. And her rival... Hannah's rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So Penina was making life miserable for Hannah and provoking her. And it seems that Elkanah had not learned the lesson from his great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather Jacob that this was not going to go well, but it didn't go well. And these two women's disdain for one another reveals to us what I believe is another flaw of Elkanah. And so verse 7 says, So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she, Penina, provoked her, Hannah. Therefore she wept. Hannah wept and did not eat. And then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? This is the second flaw. (laughs) Elkanah lacks some sensitivity. I think a lot of men can relate with Elkanah in that moment. The girl is crying. And first, the guy has to ask, why are you crying? Because we usually don't know. We haven't been cued in on what's going on. Strike one. Second, he has to ask why she's crying. Then he's trying to figure out what's going on. And so he's going to ask to try to... Figure it out and then fix it in some way. Why are you not eating? Why are you sad? Again, we, we and I'll speak, I get uncomfortable in these moments and don't know what to say. You just kind of ask questions and hope that somehow your questions are going to solve the issue and the crying will stop. We just try to fix it. And then finally, most guys make the fatal mistake of saying something stupid in these moments, like, am I not better than 10 sons? Really? You're crying over a boy wanting a son. Am I not better than 10 sons? Now, Elkanah, there's nothing malicious. I don't believe about what Elkanah is saying. Most men in this room probably relate with this statement more than they want to realize. It makes perfect sense. Do I not matter? Do I not mean anything in this moment? Why are you crying about that? I am here. I am me. Look at me. Am I not enough? When Kristen found out that our third child was going to be our third daughter she cried and she apologized to her father because she wanted to give him a grandson which he was quick to put the blame back on me but I replied to Kristen am I not better to you than 10 sons. Because that's what we say in those moments. So Elkanah seemed to lack a little sensitivity. These are things dads say. Does any dads relate, any men relate with that? However, today I want to offer you a few strengths that Samuel's dad had that I believe made a big difference. The first strength I want you to consider about Elkanah was that he was present. He wasn't absent. He wasn't aloof. He wasn't distracted. He was very much there. If you know the story of Samuel and you think about Hannah bringing Samuel to the priest Eli, you think of her handing him to the priest. But I think it's powerful for you to know that Hannah was not alone when she went there to visit the priest. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, 24, it says, When she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bulls, one ephah of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh, and the child was young. Then they slaughtered a bull and brought the child to Eli." And she said, Oh, my Lord, as my Lord lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by here praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition, which I ask of him. Therefore, I also have lent him to the Lord. As long as he lives, he shall be lent to the Lord. So they worshipped the Lord there. When Hannah prayed her prayer and she gave that child to the Lord in 1 Samuel chapter 2.11, it says that it, then Elkanah went to his house at Ramah, but the child ministered to the Lord before Eli the priest. Every time Hannah was present, Eli was present or, or, or Elkanah was present. Again, if you know the story where she brought him a new coat every year, it's powerful to know that Hannah was not alone when she brought that coat. But Samuel ministered to the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and with it to him year by year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice and Eli would bless Elkanah and his wife and say the Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord then they would go to their own home you see there's a power of presence that can't be understated Your influence in people's lives, especially to your children and to your grandchildren, your nieces and your nephews, will be greatly uh, impacted and will have a great result uh, when you are able to be present in their lives. Most kids don't want toys. They want time. They want your presence. They want your attention. They want you. They want to experience things together with you. Bishop Pasley II called it incarnational fathering. The setting aside of me to enter their world. It's the power of presence. And there's something powerful that Elkanah shows us that he was present in the life of Hannah. He was present in the life of Samuel. The second strength I see in Elkanah was his sense of priority. He may have lacked judgment and sensitivity at times, but he made up for it with his sense of priority. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 3. This man, Elkanah, went up from his city yearly to worship and sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Now, the scripture adds this little context. Also, the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. If you know anything about scripture, you know that Hophni and Phinehas were not good priests. But the scripture is pointing out that it didn't matter who the priests were. He knew that he was going to go worship the Lord. It's significant that he would do this. It didn't matter who was uh, 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 speaking, so to speak. He was going to show up. 1 Samuel chapter 1:19. then they arose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned and came to their house at Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, and the Lord remembered her. He worshiped and he loved God and he worshiped God, but we also see his love for Hannah as well. In verse 21, it says, now the man Elkanah and all his house, they went up to worship But Hannah did not go up, verse 22, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Again, we see something about Elkanah. He was going to worship even if his wife did not go with him. It was a sense of priority in him that this is what I do. This is what I think is most important says in chapter 2, verse 19, Moreover, his mother used to make him a little robe and bring it to him. We read this, and she came with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Time after time, Elkanah shows us that sense of priority for what is important. And there's a power to priorities in your life. It's, there's a power to what you make a priority in your life. The people around you, it doesn't have to be just children. The people around you at your job and where you are are watching your priorities. Doesn't matter just what you're saying you believe. They're watching your priorities. Your priorities in your life are speaking. Priorities are caught more than they're taught. I'm thankful for my father who taught me the priority of worship. He taught me the priority of prayer. He taught me the priority of tithing. He taught me the priority of being in weekly worship. He taught me the priority of reading the Bible. But it wasn't just something that I watched or that he told me, hey, you should read your Bible. Hey, you should pray. Hey, you should go to church. Hey, you should give your tithe. No, I watched his life. I watched his life. And now he was a preacher, yes, He was one who stood in the pulpit and preached that you should pray, you should read your Bible, you should tithe. But I'll tell you, and I I don't want to get too off track, but what hurts a lot of preachers kids is when their dads preach from the pulpit, but don't live it in the home. And I'll tell you, I'm thankful for a dad who not only preached it from the pulpit, but he lived it every day. Amen. Amen. Because there's something about watching your father, watching your parents, watching your mother, watching the people who have influencing you, watching their sense of priority. It makes a difference. And I watched how he loved my mother. They're they're still married, married over 50 years. They care for each other, they worship together. And I'm thankful for that strength of that example. And I know that's not everybody's story in this room. But I'm telling you, all of us have an opportunity to speak, to say things with our priorities in life. And it's never too late to get your priorities straight. Let me say it again. It's never too late to get your priorities straight in your life. Because people are watching Priorities are caught. The third and final strength that I want us to consider that about Elkanah is that Elkanah knew how to point his family in the right direction. Point his family in the right direction. That seems an odd choice of words, and I'm certainly using a, a alliteration here with, with what I'm, I'm sharing. That presence and priority and pointing, pointing. However, what we realize is Elkanah's presence, his very presence in their lives, and his own sense of priority gave him the strength to point his family in the right direction. So we read in First Samuel chapter 2, 18. But Samuel ministered before the Lord, even as a child wearing a linen ephod. Samuel begins to minister to the Lord. And we read that passage in verse 19 and 20, where his mother brought him the robe. They brought him and they came up for the sacrifice. In verse 20, and Eli would bless Elkanah's wife and say, The Lord give you descendants from this woman for the loan that was given to the Lord. Then they went to their home. And the Lord visited Hannah, so she conceived and bore three sons and two daughters. Meanwhile, the child Samuel grew before the Lord. I I personally don't think, maybe it's just because I'm a dad in this moment, I don't think that Hannah was the only one that had influence in Samuel's life. When I read Elkanah's life and I read what he did, It makes sense that Samuel would minister to the Lord with confidence regardless of what was going on in the priest's home, regardless of what was happening because I believe he saw a steady father who was present, a steady father who had priorities and a steady father who was willing to say, you know what, you minister to the Lord, you do what's right. And he pointed him in the right direction. And after Samuel was born, and while Hannah had, was still weaning him, Elkanah, it says, went to worship. We read that. And we, we see that, verse 22, But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, Not until the child is weaned, then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. And then I find Elkanah's response to her very powerful. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. Let the Lord establish his word. He's pointing. Let the Lord establish his word. What a powerful thing to say. It's not a lot. It's not a long prayer. Hannah gets the credit for all the words. But that's a powerful statement. Right. Only let the Lord establish His word. In other words, I want God's will to be fulfilled more than anything else. I'm not exactly sure how it's all going to work out. And you got to do what you got to do. All I'm saying is that we got to let the Lord establish or fulfill his word. Whatever it takes, whatever it takes, the will of God has to happen. Wherever that takes my life, wherever that takes my hobbies, wherever that takes my career, wherever that takes my marriage, the will of God at any cost. Let the Lord establish his words. Pointing doesn't mean much if your presence is lacking. You can stand there and point all day and tell your family, you should do this, you should do that. Doesn't do a lot when you, you haven't been around. Pointing doesn't mean much if your priorities are saying something different than your words. The do as I say, not as I do way of life is the hardest way to help those who you have influence on to get where they need to go. It's very difficult. It happens. There are some success stories. Of people who say, do as I say, not as I do. But I'll tell you, the best way to influence people's lives is to have your priorities in order. So that when the winds and the the rain and the storms of life come, they're going to look at a rock of a life that says, what am I supposed to do in this moment? And they're not going to hear what you say. They're going to watch what you did. Pointing has a powerful impact when you are present and you have the priorities in your life aligned with the word of God. Elkanah said it best when he said, only let the Lord establish his word. Of all the things that I could point you to, of all the advice that I could give you, I give you the word of of God, let His word be established in you. Let His word be fulfilled in you. That's the greatest advice we could give those who we have influence in their lives. Today I'm carrying my dad's Bible that he gave me. It's a Bible that means a lot to me because it came from my dad, but in it, when I look at it, I find writings. I just turned to this in Matthew. It says faith and prayer and fasting. In this, it says the importance of forgiveness. I'm reading this. I pick up this because this is one of the greatest things that my dad ever did. He was present and he gave us a sense of priority, but he pointed us to the Word of God. He said this is what's really going to help you. At the end of the day, I can give you a lot of advice, but this is what's going to help you. Oh, hallelujah. And so in Matthew chapter 6, as I come to a close today, Matthew 6 shows us these strengths in our Heavenly Father, and I would add that this is what our Heavenly Father is saying to us today. We see... In Matthew 6, verse 6, Jesus said, But you, when you pray, go into your room. And when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask them. We get this sense of presence. Your father sees in secret. He's there. He's with you in the present times. Not just in the public times. And I encourage you fathers, encourage you mothers, you parents and grandparents, that presence doesn't just mean in the spotlight presence, like I showed up at a birthday party. But presence is in the private and the father shows us that the real power of presence is in private not in public. And he knows the things. He, he, he knows us. He got to know us with his presence. And, and he, 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 has, he knows everything about us. In verse 9, he, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. It's this sense of priority, isn't it? Hallowed be the name of God. That his kingdom comes. His will is done. Give us what we need. It's this sense of priority. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So we see this presence of the Father and we see the priority of the Father. And then Jesus said to pray, do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. There's a sense of pointing. that God has direction in our lives. Would you stand with me this morning? Elkanah didn't say a whole lot. Elkanah, you're not going to find a lot of quotes of him in Scripture. But what he said was pretty powerful. Only let the Lord establish His Word. Let the Lord establish His Word. If you don't know... That God's word is powerful. I want to tell you today, God's word is powerful. His word in Psalm chapter 119, 114, there's a lot we could read, but I just feel compelled to read these passages. It says, You are my hiding place and my shield. I hope in your word. Depart from me, you evildoers, for I will keep the commandments. Of my God. Uphold me according to your word that I may live, and do not let me be ashamed of my hope. Word of God. It's our hope, it's our compass, it's what delivers us from shame. What I realize today our fathers are being pulled by society to let down their guard, to standing firm and having convictions is something of the past. It's a relic. A man is challenged to step outside the moral guidelines of marriage. A man is challenged by the pressures of society to let his children think for themselves and just do whatever they want. There's a lot of pressures that men face today, but I bring a word that we need godly father figures, men of character, men of righteousness, men of prayer, men of truth, men submitted to God, men that love their wives, men that love their children. And we need fathers. We need men who are present. We need men who are present. We need men who have godly priorities. And we need men who are pointing us to the Word of God. Why? Because our Heavenly Father is saying something. Sister Diana Reed spoke so powerfully and beautifully last Sunday about the idea that Satan lies to us, but God through His Word is speaking truth. Because yes. our Heavenly Father has something to say. Yeah. He has something to say. And He offers us His presence, doesn't He? His Spirit in our life. And He gave us the sense of Priority. When he showed us what Calvary looked like. He showed us what the most important priority was. Was love. And ultimately, he showed us and he pointed us the power of his word. That his word is life. His word is hope. His word is help. And so today I want to pray for our men. I want to pray for our men today, and I'm going to invite those uh, men who are, we'll we'll say, 18 and over today. I want you to come. I was going to do maybe just fathers, but I I want the men to come today. I want you to come to the altar. We're not going to embarrass you today, but I want to pray a prayer of strength for you. We all have flaws, like Elkanah, we have flaws, we have struggles, we lack sensitivity at times, none of the ladies said amen, so that was really good for us. (laughs) They're just like, oh Lord, that doesn't even say it all. We lack sensitivity at times, but we have a powerful role and an opportunity in this world. And I don't know if you were to to kind of evaluate your life on presence, priority, and pointing, but I would guess all of us have an area, you know what, I could be a little bit more present in some things. Maybe the... The man cave doesn't deserve all my time. I know I'm tired when I get home, but I don't know. I'm not trying to meddle in anybody's business. If the man cave is where you and God convene, that's great. If it's the boat, if it's the golf course, wherever it is. But I, I think we could, I know for me, I know there are areas that I can improve in. My presence, even my sense of priority is what's important in my life think doing better to point to God's Word for answers quicker than my own ideas and my own experiences in life. Oh, what does the Bible say about this?
0: This podcast was brought to you by the Calvary Church in Cincinnati, Ohio. For more information about the Calvary Church, please visit our website at www.thecalvarychurch.com